I love games, so I'm really excited about this series that we are starting today. And uh, we're going to be in it over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be looking at some of the more common issues that we face in life. For example, next week, we're going to talk about taking risks uh, as a Christ follower, when to risk it all. So we're going to look at the game called Texas Hold'em. And then in week three, so two weeks later, we're going to look at the game of baseball, and we're going to look at how none of us were created to be self-sufficient, but rather be part of a team, not a baseball team, but thing called Christ Church, where we can care and support one another. And um, then we're going to look at the game of solitaire. I don't know if you've ever played that card game, um, but we're going to look at loneliness, and we're going to look at how to overcome loneliness when it strikes. And then in the final week, we're going to talk about how every one of us, really, we all need a coach. And most importantly, we need God to be our head coach. Today, though, I want to start things off by looking at the big game of life itself. And to do that, I want to work through that passage that George just read a moment ago from 1 Corinthians 9. But let me start off with verse 24, where Paul says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So basically, Paul is saying he's comparing life on earth to a race, and we get that. And I think most of us also understand that we don't want to get to the end of our life and have blown it, right? We want to, as Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. But how do you know if you've succeeded? And, and what is this prize thing that the Bible talks about? Well, I think most of you already know that in most sports, the prize looks like some, something like this. This is actually a trophy I won uh, many years ago playing softball. Uh, we won the, uh, the state championship, and everybody won a, a neat little trophy like that. A little bit bigger than the cartwheel trophy, just saying. <laughs> that was bad. I shouldn't have said that. But there are other trophies out there. There are all kinds of trophies, and these might be familiar to you. Uh, This is the Larry O'Brien trophy, right? And the Cleveland Cavaliers won this back in 2016. Uh, This is the Stanley Cup trophy, and uh, Colorado Avalanche just won this very recently. Uh, This is the Commissioner's Trophy, and a team receives this when they win what? World Series, right? All right. And then, of course, this is the Vince Lombardi Trophy, and the team will receive this if they win what? The Super Bowl, right? So there's all kinds of trophies, right? There's trophies for auto racing and golf and tennis, all kinds of trophies. But my point is this. My point is this. In sports, there is a clear winner and a clear loser, isn't there? And the winner takes home the prize. But now when it comes to this game called life, how do you know if you've won? How do you know if you've succeeded? Well, obviously, there's all kinds of answers out there, but I think a very good biblically-based answer would be this. When it comes to to winning in the big game called life, I think it would be this, succeeding where it matters most. And that's a very broad answer. I get that. So what I like to do is, if you have a sermon outline, or even if you don't, bit a piece of paper, but at the top there, it just says, what matters most to me? And I'd like you to just jot some notes down as to what it is that matters most to you in your life. And let me just share, while you're doing that, let me share a couple of things that I wrote down. First, I wrote down faith. 
right? I want to be closer to Jesus at the end of my life than I am right now. I want my family to know and love Jesus too. I want them to be in heaven with me. And then I wrote down, um, I, I wrote down family. Uh, I want to be a good, godly husband to my wife, Carla. And I want to be a good, godly father and grandfather to my kids and grandkids. And then I wrote down finances. You know, I, when it comes to finances, I want to make sure I take a portion of what God has entrusted to me and, and use it to support his church here, as well as I want to make sure that Carla and I are taken care of financially as we move closer and closer to retirement. And then I also wrote down, wrote down friends because I want to enjoy and celebrate my friends that God has given to me. And I want to be a good friend. Okay, so, so those are the things I wrote down. Maybe some of those are the things that you wrote down too. Uh, but wrap it up because what I want to do now is talk to you or give you a strategy. A strategy that will help you to, in a very God-honoring kind of way, succeed in what truly matters most. And, and a strategy is important, isn't it, right? It, it's something that you have to have because you know, think about it. No sports team is going to, you know, show up the night before the championship game and then the next day just, you know, appear and then do, see how well they do. And they're going to come up with a plan or a strategy, strategy that's going to help them win. Well, I, I think we as followers of Jesus, as God's children, we need a strategy as well to succeed in what truly matters most in this big game called life. And, and of course, the best place to find those kinds of strategies is in God's playbook called the Bible. And so what I like to do is just lay out for you some of the strategies that God provides for us as his children, as part of his family, that will help us to succeed in what truly matters most in this big game called life. And to do it in a way that not only glorifies God, but that is in alignment with his will. And so the first strategy is to live with an eternal perspective. And I say that because most people today don't. Most people today live for the here and now, right? They live for the weekend. They live for their kids' sporting events. They live for, you know, retirement. They live for what happens here on this earth. And while that's nice, there's more to life than just that. And Paul understood that. That's why Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians 9 talks about keeping his eye as he's running this race. He's keeping his eye focused on the prize. Look at this. This is verse 25. Paul says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And that makes sense. You, know, you want to train? They do it, though, to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And that is what matters most. But that's very different than sports, isn't it? Sport, all sports have a definitive end. In football, you run out of time. In baseball, you run out of innings. But not when it comes to life. I... Okay, granted, you know, there will be a point where your life here ends, but that's not the end. Look at this. Ecclesiastes 12 says, The dust returns to the ground it came from, but the spirit returns to God. So while life ends here, you still continue on forever. Right? Through faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are forgiven by God's grace and you are given the gift of eternal life. Wow, that's good news. It's great news. But that's the perspective that God wants you to live with day after day after day after day. 
But if you're like me, that, that can be hard to do at times. It can be hard to live with that eternal perspective, to, to focus on that. So what I'd like to do is have you do this little exercise. I'd like you to take a pen and your, your sermon outline. And I didn't leave a whole lot of space. So you don't need a lot of space. But at the top left corner, I want you to take your pen and I want you to put a little dot right there in the top left corner. Okay, that dot represents your life. That little dot. Very exciting. Now, what I'd like you to do is take your pencil or pen, and I want you to draw a line from that dot all the way across the top of the page and put an arrow at the end of that line. And then I want you to imagine continuing to draw that line all the way to the country of Japan. And then I want you to imagine drawing that line all the way to the moon. And then imagine drawing that line all the way to the farthest reaches of outer space. Right? Now, I had to do that because, again, that dot, that's life on earth. It's just that little dot. The rest of that line, it's all of eternity. It's all of eternity. And, and, I, and I just want you, I, I want you to have that dot remind you that that's all there is here on earth. Okay? The, you know, this, the, there's more to life than just this dot. Paul talks about this in Colossians 3. He says, set your mind on things above, not just on the things of this earth, not just on the dot. So in order for you to succeed in what matters most, you know, honoring God with your life as his child, as a Christ follower, when it comes to you know, glorifying him with your words, your actions, your life, when it comes to succeeding what matters most in this big game called life, you need to reframe your perspective, if you will. You need to make sure you keep your priorities straight. And one strategy that will help you do that is just to keep in mind, there's more to life than just this little dot called your life here on earth. A second strategy that will help you to succeed in what matters most in this big game called life is to invest in integrity. And you want to invest in integrity now because now's the only time you have to build your integrity. I'm back again at 1 Corinthians 9, this time verse 27. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that I myself might be disqualified. And becoming disqualified happens, doesn't it? People are disqualified all the time because they fail in integrity. And I'm sure it won't take long for you to think of some people who fall into that category in the area of sports or politics or the business world, right? People who have been disqualified because of their lack of integrity. So again, as a child of God, as a Christ follower, if you're going to succeed in what matters most in this big game called life, you got to see how important it is to invest in integrity. Right? And you want to do that for a couple of reasons. First of all, you want to invest in integrity because it pleases God. It makes him happy. When you live with integrity, you live in line with who he is, with his character, right? He is absolute truth. In uh, Proverbs 11, it says, The Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. And I know, I know people today, they, they, you know, one after another, they dismiss their lack of integrity and say, oh, no one's going to know. But look at what it says here in Proverbs 15. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Even if no one else knows, God sees it. So you want to invest in integrity, because it pleases your God. 
Second, you want to live with integrity because it affects others, right? Your integrity or your lack of integrity is going to impact and influence the people that you see in and out of a given day. For example, in Proverbs 20, it says, the righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. So obviously your integrity impacts those in your own home. I mean, seriously, if you want to bless your family, live with integrity. Live with integrity. I, I know it's tempting to want to impress a group of people you hardly know at, I don't know, a business meeting or at a party or whatever, but nothing is more powerful than influencing your family with a life of integrity. You can't beat that. Other people that you affect with your integrity, of course, are the people around you. And by this, I mean now your friends, your colleagues, coworkers, teammates, classmates, uh, neighbors. Proverbs 11 says, upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. Oh boy, does our nation need people of integrity today or what? Upright citizens who follow God's wisdom and the truths in his word? Third though, and this is probably the most important thing, your integrity can point people to Jesus. That's huge. The, the, the actions that you make, the decisions that you, that you make, and, and the, the attitudes that you demonstrate, the words that you speak, all, the way you live is a powerful witness to the people who may be watching you without even you knowing it. And in those moments, you have the opportunity to show them Jesus in you, Right? In Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And here it is, praise your father in heaven. So invest in integrity, not just because it pleases God, not just because it impacts the people around you, but third, because it blesses you too. Yes, living with integrity opens the gates of blessings. It's just one blessing after another. In Proverbs 11, it says, moral character makes for smooth traveling. Okay, what does that mean? It means that when you live with integrity, it makes life easier. It makes life easier because you don't have to always wonder what you said to whom and when. You don't have to ever be afraid of being caught in a lie, right? You, 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 when you live with integrity, it makes life easier because you're always doing the right thing. And then second, it also brings confidence, doesn't it? Because again, you have nothing to hide. Right? Nothing to fear. No skeletons in this guy's closet. In Proverbs 10, it says, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Integrity brings you the blessing of confidence. How cool is that? So, so far, we've got two strategies, don't we? When it comes to succeeding in what really matters most in this big game called life, we want to live in an eternal perspective and we want to invest in integrity. But third, you also want to find your sweet spot. And here's what I mean by that. In certain sports, there are these different uh, pieces of equipment that have what is called a sweet spot. So like golf clubs, uh, tennis rackets, baseball bats, they all have a sweet spot. And if you've played any of those sports, maybe you know what it's like to hit the ball in that area called the sweet spot. Well, each of you, as part of God's family, as followers of Jesus, you have sweet spots as well, okay? And your sweet spot is gonna be different from somebody else's. But in a nutshell, your sweet spot is where your passion intersects with God's purposes. Does that make sense? So it's what you just like to do naturally, 
can then be used to help and bless and serve someone else in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's your sweet spot. How cool is that? In, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, Paul says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. Paul does not want to live life without knowing what his sweet spot is. And God doesn't want you to run through life that way either without knowing, a, without a sense of you know, uh, purpose or, or direction. He wants you to find your sweet spot. And here's how you do it. You get to know God better. That's it. Colossians 1. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in God, and here it is, and finds its purpose in him. So the more you get to know God, the more you get to understand his ways and wisdom. The more you get to understand his ways and wisdom, the more you understand his purposes for your life. And when you get to that point, then you can ask yourself the question, okay, what is it that I like to do that I just naturally enjoy doing? And then how can I use that in a way to do what God is calling me to do here on this earth? And I guarantee you figure that out. You figure out your sweet spot where your passions intersect with God's purposes. It's not only a fun way to live, it is a powerful way to live. Ephesians 2 says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has work for each and every one of you to do. He wants you to find your sweet spot. All right, fourth and final strategy, adopt God's plan for your life. Not the world's plan, not somebody else's plan, but God's plan because, and I've shared this with you dozens of times, God's plan is always the best plan. And I can say that with confidence because of what happened 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, 2,000 years ago, outside Jerusalem, Jesus is nailed to a cross to pay the punishment for every act of disobedience and rebellion and every mistake and every failure and every bad choice that you've ever made in life. And while I realize that when Jesus was crucified and when he died and when his body was buried, it looked like a major defeat, like a really bad plan, the reason why we worship on Sunday and not on Friday is because of what Jesus accomplished on that first Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. But Jesus is still, Jesus is alive, right? His glorious resurrection proves he is alive. And because of that, you don't have to worry about being punished for your sin. You don't have to wonder about where you're gonna spend your eternity. Oh, when you, by the Spirit's power, when you trust and believe that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior and King, you receive promise after promise after promise after promise, right? The promise that your sins are forgiven, you are forgiven of everything you've ever done wrong, that there is a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus that is available for you right now, that someday you're going to spend all of eternity with Jesus in heaven. Those are amazing promises. So just as God's plan for Jesus was the best plan, God's plan for you is the best plan. And, and I share that with you because as you're going through this big game called life, it's tempting. It really is. It's tempting to look at the world and look at yourself. And I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm in, I want to encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus. That was what Liz read just a moment ago. In Hebrews 12, she's, it, 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 
the author says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here it is. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Because of your faith in Jesus, God has a plan for you. It is the best plan. And it's a plan that becomes clearer and more in focus as you follow your Lord Jesus in faith, right? As you make him your role model, as you follow the wisdom found in his word. And honestly, that's my prayer for each and every one of you here today, that God would stretch you to think beyond just what's happening in this little dot called your life here on this earth, that he would empower you to live with integrity each day, that he would allow you to find where your sweet spots are, spiritually speaking, and that he would give you the desire, the heartfelt desire to, to adopt his plan so that you will succeed in what matters most in this big game called life. And what matters most, it's not a trophy. It's a relationship with Jesus. Amen? It's a relationship with Jesus. So let me just challenge you in a couple of ways this week, okay? Between now and next Sunday, let me challenge you to do a couple of things. First of all, I want you to ask God to help you live each day with integrity. <laughs> not when it's convenient, not when everybody else is looking or when you feel like it, but every day. And you can't do it on your own, so ask God, right? The Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. Ask God to help you do it. Second, identify one of your passions and then use it to do God's work. I think we all know what we enjoy doing. Okay, there are the list of ways by which you can serve God by serving others here at this church is endless. All right, maybe you have a passion for kids. All right, we could use your help in the nursery or with the worship assistants or with, uh, um, uh, with uh, Redeemer kids. Uh, if, you're, if you like technology, we could use you in the worship team. The list is endless, but figure out what your sweet spot is, okay? And then use it. Third, follow God's plan and make Jesus your role model. All right, the more you follow Jesus in faith, I guarantee the more clear God's will will become for you. And then by the Spirit's power, you will be able to move through this big game of life and succeed where it matters most. But we need God's help, so let's pray. Would you pray with me? Let's ask God for help here. Father God, right now, we praise you that through faith in your son, Jesus, we will receive that prize of eternal life with you. Thank you for that amazing gift, Father. Between now and then, though, Lord, help us to run that race and to run in such a way by which we will enjoy your gift of grace and your blessings and be a blessing to those around us, especially in those areas that matter the most to us. Lord God, I pray that you would bless this series and bless us through it. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And the people of God all said, amen. Amen. amen.